You're listening to the Mission Gathering Thornton Message Podcast, a weekly show of our Sunday sermons that give you a way to connect with God, grow in faith, and find wholeness. Thanks for joining us. Here's the message. So one of the first classes I took when I was in seminary was a class called Theological Issues in Films or something like that. An elective, obviously. And rather than assigning a bunch of reading, being as, as it was a class on movies, the professor gave us a list of about like 30-some movies to watch, ranging from like The Truman Show, if anyone remembers that, to, um, I'm already forgetting what I watched, Truman Show, Unforgiven, Clint Eastwood movie, and then uh, Last Temptation of Christ, if anybody see that kind of classic. There was all kinds of movies, indie flicks, foreign films, even some box office successes. And that was back in the day of early days of Netflix. If you remember when they used to send out those little round flat things, otherwise known as DVDs, you know, now we're all streaming. So back then I signed up for the unlimited package and then, you know, just started watching movies. So um, one of the things we talked about in the class was kind of the basic structure or storytelling framework of most movies. So one of the the films we watched in class together to kind of like um, to kind of demonstrate or to kind of show us how that worked was this 1999 film called Walking Across Egypt, starring uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, if that brings back any memories, and then Ellen Burstyn. So one of the things about this movie that they we were supposed to recognize was that the the start of the movie. The kind of opening credits has the scene of this dog kind of running zigzag uh, kind of across the screen. So this dog's kind of running zigzag and it's kind of meant to, meant to illustrate like uncertainty or unsettled, you know, kind of this confused state, right? And then the movie ends with the two characters getting into a car and driving off into the sunset, driving off into the horizon down the straight road together, kind of meant to, meant to illustrate like a happy ending. Happy ending, clear resolutions, you know, happily ever after, all that sort of thing. Now, that's kind of like how we tend to want our shows and our movies to end, with happy endings, clear resolutions, and that's generally because Hollywood knows that. That's generally how most of our shows or movies end. Although there are a few notable examples otherwise. I don't know if anyone here was a fan of the show The Sopranos on HBO. Personally, I never watched it, but... That was before I could afford cable. (laughs) But if you watch the show, The Sopranos, the last... There's my sunglasses. (laughs) I knew we were going to have a problem with the head. He has this little dinosaur that has pieces together. Okay, take a break whenever you need to. What's up, bud? Where's the head? Can we look for it in a little bit? Okay, we'll look for it in a little bit, okay? What? You have me walk for me. Paul's gonna Paul's gonna help you look for it, okay? No, I wanna Okay. You're to... Okay. So in the ser- in the series finale, the lead character, Tony Soprano, uh, he's trying to run from some enemies and he he goes into the bathroom and just about, you know, what's playing up to be like the moment of climax, the screen goes black 
And as I understand it, when or I understood it, when people were watching it live, they literally thought their cable had just gone out because the screen had just gone black. Another show or another movie is Inception, if you've seen that movie. And at the end of the movie, the lead character, Leonardo DiCaprio, he has this top that he spins. It's supposed to be like a totem to tell him if he's in the real world or if he's still in a dream world. And he spins his top and it begins to wobble a little bit. But again, the screen cuts black and the viewer is left to wonder if the, the top toppled over, meaning he's in the real world, or if it kept spinning righted itself and kept spinning meaning he's in just another dream world now for those uh fans of something less serious less kind of heavy the nbc show chuck anyone remember the nbc show chuck i know i'm dating myself with all these old show references but chuck was like a spy comedy show which aired on nbc and in that final episode uh chuck his wife and fellow spy, Sarah, has had her memory wiped. In the closing scene, they're sitting alone on a beach, and, ch- and they kiss one another, hoping that that, can, that kiss will bring back Sarah's memory. So, uh, in this final scene of Chuck, though, what Sarah, the, the scene opens with Sarah sitting alone on the beach, and Chuck comes up, sits alongside her, and... You know, they're talking about her memory loss and how she doesn't know who she is. And he says something that's quite interesting, and I'm going to find it here because I like the quote. So he says to her, I'm asking you to trust me. I don't want anything from you. I need you to know that wherever you go, I will always be there to help you. Someone you can call whenever. Trust me, I'm here for you always. Trust me, I'm here for you always. Those words reminded me of something that Jesus said to his disciples long ago. To his closest friends and disciples, he said to them, Remember, I am with you always to the end. Now, I may be putting words into Jesus' mouth here, but the words that Chuck said fit well with what Jesus said so long ago, what he was trying to say. Imagine these words coming from Jesus' mouth. I'm asking you to trust me. I don't want anything from you. I need you to know that wherever you go, I will always be there to help you. Someone you can call whenever. Trust me, I'm always here for you. Now here's the thing. Jesus spoke these words to his disciples and his friends after they had gone through their own kind of confusing and rather ambiguous ending. Now, I bet most of us, on first thought about the Easter morning resurrection story, wouldn't think of the story as having anything other than a clear resolution and happy ending. After all, right, we're here today because he is risen. I set you up here. You're supposed to say he is risen indeed. (laughs) Jesus is risen after all, right? There's no ambiguity, no uncertainty, no doubt how the story ends happily ever after. Yet if we look a little closer, it's not quite so neatly wrapped. Now, speaking of Chuck, I need to nerd out a little bit here, so stick with me. And I'm throwing a little deep reference. Chuck worked for the Nerd Herd, so that's my joke. Chuck worked for the Nerd Herd, so stick with me for a second. I'm going to nerd out just a bit. So we know this, right, that in the Bible there are four books that primarily tell the story of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, 
Luke and John, right? All four books roughly tell the same story with each kind of adding their own bit of interpretive flair and in storytelling. Now, scholars are almost universally in agreement that Mark, the book of Mark, came first with the book of John come, coming last. And one interesting thing about the book of Mark is that it's the shortest book of the four stories of Jesus. And it tells the story of Jesus rather quickly and concisely. And in fact, it's actually shorter than most people think. Now, if you brought your Bible today, and I brought mine, because, you know, I'm the pastor, I've got to do that, right? <laughs> In the book of Mark, chapter 16. Hey, guys. How are we doing? Hi, Asher, how are you? Good. Yeah, and I found an egg. Awesome. That's a cool egg. That's an awesome egg. Awesome. The kids are heading back. Yeah, go, you want to go play with them? Cool. So, <laughs> in the last chapter of Mark, uh, in verse chapter 16, verse 8, there's an interesting uh, little tidbit I want to point out to you. Now, in most Bibles, you'll notice there's a little footnote, something, sometimes it's a little letter or a number that points you to a reference at the bottom of the page. So, in my Bible... Uh, you probably can't see it, but I have a little footnote here at the bottom of the page. And it says something like this. It says something like, The earliest and most historical versions of the book of Mark end here, in verse 8 of chapter 16, halfway through the last chapter of Mark. Now, my Bible actually has a paragraph over the last heading saying that these details were added later. Now, again, try not to nerd out too much and getting into too much technical jargon and in historical conversation. The point is that when Mark first wrote down the story of Jesus, he seemed to end it after verse 8, leaving it far more uncertain and ambiguous than we might first think. So let's read the story, uh, Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. So the Bible says that when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us, the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed, you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, he has been raised, he is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid." They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid, for terror and amusement had seized them. Quite the interesting ending. Not the happy, clear resolution that we might always expect to see in the Bible. Now again, setting aside the bigger questions, 
I want us to think about how those sitting, how those closing words sit with us. So they went out from the tomb and fled, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Again, it's far from the clear resolution and happy ending that we usually expect from the Easter story. Now, many biblical scholars think that Mark purposely left the story hanging, much as the writers of uh, The Sopranos or The Inception did, to allow the viewer, or in this case us, the reader, to finish the story for ourselves. I mean, quite literally, we are here today, in fact, because people continue to tell the story of Jesus, to write the story of Jesus, to celebrate the story of Jesus. People believe there was more about the story of Jesus yet to be written, to be spoken of, to be celebrated, to be put into practice. Sometimes we don't know, need to know how the story ends, and that's okay. Things can be scary and okay at the same time. Things can be scary and okay at the same time. You and I are quite literally in a time and a place where we don't know how the story ends. As of now, millions of people across the country are getting their COVID vaccine. Here in Colorado, businesses and restaurants are opening up to fuller capacities. Even in some states, mask mandates are being ended entirely. Yet it was just this past week, the CDC director spoke about an impending doom, raising concerns about another fourth spike in COVID cases. The story has yet to be written. Even more beyond COVID and potential rises in cases, I think it's safe to say that we're all going to be entering into an unknown future filled with terror, amazement, and fear. In the next few weeks, or at least the next few, few months, we'll begin to re-enter public life as we know it, or at least how it once was. Perhaps like me, you're beginning to slowly make plans for summer vacations, for seeing friends and loved ones you haven't embraced in so long, to imagine a day where you can go out and talk to strangers without wearing one of these things. And more, we'll be re-entering a world completely reshaped by COVID, by a racial justice awakening, by the threats of domestic extremism. We're all entering an unknown future filled with terror, amazement, and fear. And it's into this unknown future filled with terror, amazement, and fear that I want you to know, and I believe that God wants you to know, that things can be scary and okay at the same time. Things can be scary and okay at the same time. Remember, Jesus spoke these words to his disciples long ago, and I believe they still matter to us today. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you peace as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. And then Jesus invites us to finish the story. Amidst all the fear, all the uncertainty, all the confusion, whether or not we can discern what's happening in our world or not, God is literally and figuratively 
turning the world. We're literally spinning right now, if you believe it or not. God has got this, and God has got us. And no matter what comes our way, no matter what obstacles get in the way, no matter what changes we still have to bear, we are invited to finish our story and to keep telling the story of Jesus. To be real, I don't know how our story ends. I don't know how your story ends. I don't know how my story ends. But I do know this. You still have a story to tell. I still have a story to tell. We still have a story to tell. And our story matters. Your story matters. My story matters. No matter how it ends, our story matters. And as scary and uncertain as things might be, as much as we might wish we knew what was coming, God has still got this. God has still got us. So this Easter morning, keep living your story and keep telling the story of Jesus. Look for the places where God is turning your world, bringing new life out of the uncertainty. Knowing that God has got this, God has got us. And despite the uncertainty, despite the ambiguity, despite the lack of clear direction even perhaps, we know that God has got us, God has got this, and we have a story that matters to tell. We have a story to tell. Join me in a spirit of prayer then I invite you to join as Tom leads us into communion. God, we celebrate this resurrection morning. We thank you for the resurrection of Jesus. We thank you for the gift of new life, of hope, of joy. We thank you, God, that even when things are uncertain, when things are ambiguous, when things are unclear, that we can keep walking in faith and hope, knowing you're with us, knowing you love and sustain us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mission Gathering Thornton Message Podcast. You can watch our weekly services on Facebook Live every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And to learn more about joining a group or serving with us, visit our website at mgthornton.org.